Hey, this is Pastor Dusty. Thanks for listening to the Messages and Messengers podcast. I hope it's meaningful to you and your walk with Jesus. Enjoy. I've been chewing on that quote all week. Let's do this together. Let's breathe in God's word. Breathe out a prayer of gratitude. That's how I want to live my life. Well, good morning, Plymouth Nazarene in house and online. I'm Pastor Dusty, and you are loved. Uh, raise your hand if you consider yourself creative. Oh, okay, less than I thought. Uh, maybe you, do you have to solve creative problems at work? Do you create music or art? Where and when are you at your creative best? Is it when you have unlimited time, unlimited resources, ability, and inspiration? Well, first of all, that never happens. But also, nearly the opposite is true. Creativity actually comes from limits. A struggling museum just got some much-needed help from an unexpected source, a young woman from far away who brought a unique gift to the project. Here's Janet Shamlian. The drawings of Jessica Jewett are intricate, rich with detail. I actually started drawing before I knew how to read and write. This is how I work. Jewett was born with a rare birth defect. She's a quadriplegic who paints and draws with her mouth. That's phenomenal. Thank you. The 38-year-old history buff is on a mission to memorialize Civil War hero General Joshua Chamberlain. What is it about him that inspires you? He got shot through the pelvis, and it was in such a way that it debilitated him for the rest of his life. But he was still able to become governor of Maine and president of Bowdoin College. But when Jewett visited Chamberlain's 200-year-old home-turned-museum in Maine, its freight condition was less than inspiring. Financially, I'm not able to make donations, but what I can do is turn my skills into something useful for the museum. Jewett spent weeks drawing Chamberlain's home. In only an hour, the sketch sold on her website. Prints are going fast, too. She's giving every dollar to the museum to help with restorations. Its caretakers are overwhelmed by her gift. She is not letting it stop her, just like Chamberlain did not let it stop him. That's an incredibly powerful message. I want to see other people take heart in the belief that one person can make a difference. Drawing inspiration from the past to preserve its future. Janet Shamlian, CBS News, Atlanta. One person can make a difference. Jessica, what an incredible gift. So Jessica was severely limited physically, but she developed this incredibly artistic gift. Now, the question is, would she have discovered and developed that gift if she had the working arms and legs that she probably longed for? Maybe not. Would the museum have been able to keep its doors open if it wasn't for this amazing disabled artist who used her gift to fund their mission? Maybe not. What limits in your life do you use to talk you out of doing what God has called you to do? Well, what if those limits are actually guidelines to a creative ministry that you're uniquely positioned to serve in? So as we continue our Shaped by a Song series, we arrive at Psalm 34 today. And this psalm is an acrostic. 
Each line starts with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Now, as a writer, why in the world would you do that? Isn't that too limiting to tell God how to inspire a worship song within the confines of the alphabet for each letter? Wouldn't the psalmist be more creative if he could just use whatever word he wanted in whatever order? Well, it seems like it, but often, no. So a quote that challenged me this week, it said, The enemy of art is the absence of limitations. The enemy of art is the absence of limitations. These psalms are songs. Songs are art. And this piece of art is limited by an acrostic. That limitation led to beautiful, timeless wisdom and truth about God. So whatever is limiting you, let me invite you to bring it to God as an offering and to partner with him to make it something beautiful that blesses others. Open your Bible up to Psalm 34. Of course, it'll be on the screen. It opens this way. I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. Did you notice the pattern here? I will praise the Lord at all times. I will continually speak his praises. I will only boast in the Lord. Those are personal declarations, what I as an individual worshiper are committing to. And then it shifts. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. That's community. So which is easier for you? Personal or corporate worship? Which are your most meaningful prayer times? Hidden away in your private prayer closet? Or at a prayer meeting with a group? Such as we do at 10, 10 o'clock, right, right down here. You should come to it. Do you learn more in your morning devotions by yourself? Or in an evening Bible study with others? It took me a while to get used to these different types of prayer meetings. At one church, we would have uh, a prayer meeting in the sanctuary every Saturday morning, and I preferred quiet, contemplative prayer. That is not what this was. Uh, There was worship music playing over the speakers, which was distracting to me. There were people walking laps around the sanctuary, which I thought was weird. Uh, As I was trying to quietly sit in the corner and pray, other people were crying out passionately in prayer. Did they have no concern for what I was trying to do? (laughs) Uh, I went to another prayer meeting at uh, a friend's church, and we gathered in a circle, I don't know, three or four of us, and we, you know, quietly bowed our heads and reverently were starting to pray, and the pastor started bouncing and shouting and jumping rope with our hands. Um, That wasn't what I was expecting, but those are all different expressions in valid forms of prayer. Just because it wasn't what I preferred didn't mean it wasn't a wonderful connection between a worshiper and their heavenly father. In fact, I actually developed a much more rich prayer life by getting pushed out of my comfort zone at meetings like that. So which one do you lean towards? Personal, private connection with God? Or corporate group gatherings? Both of them are absolutely foundational to the life of a disciple of Jesus. Jesus himself had a pattern that I recommend. He withdrew to be with the Heavenly Father, and then he engaged the group. And he did that rhythm of withdrawing to be with his Father and then engaging in ministry. You need both 
personal spiritual disciplines, as well as communal times of worship and service. Now, one factor here is introvert versus extrovert. So are you like me and you're recharged by being with people? Where are my my extroverts at? Woo! All right, four of us. Uh, (laughs) Or are you recharged by being alone? We humbly respect our introverts. Uh, Some of you may know Dave Bowser. He was one of our EMD pastors before he became a district superintendent, and he usually held meetings at his favorite restaurant, Famous Dave's. So um, as much as he loved the food and the atmosphere and the people that he met with, he was your classic introvert. He was drained by being with people and being in a social environment. So he would, the way he tells the story, he would pull up to a parking spot and he would sigh and look over to his wife and say, can you just go in and I'll just stay in the car? <laughs> and uh, so she would talk him into it, and they accomplished wonderful things. He's a phenomenal pastor and leader. But it never became natural for him. He came wired from the factory to be drained by being with people and recharged by being alone. That's the way God made him. God created each of us uniquely and on purpose. So if you're an introvert, great. If you're an extrovert, great. But don't ignore the other side and blame it on your temperament. I can't say, well, since I'm an extrovert, I pray best with other people, so I don't really need personal prayer time. You better believe I do. Or if you're an introvert, you can't say, well, I'm recharged by being alone, so I don't really need to go to a small group. You better believe you do. Both personal and communal spiritual disciplines are absolutely foundational. Let's look at verse 4. I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation, I prayed and the Lord listened. He saved me from all my troubles. For the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. There are some wonderful promises here that we all want. He freed me from my fears. He delivered me from shame. But most of the time, the facts, when God delivers you from something, many times the facts in your situation don't change. But when you seek the Lord, what changes is how we handle it, which is not what we're hoping for, right? We're praying, Lord, change them. They're the one wrong. I'm being attacked. Help. Fix them. And yet, most often, what happens? He changes us. We mature and grow, and we develop character and humility and patience and wisdom, often by being mistreated. We had hoped for a circumstance change, and we got character development. That's a miracle. Hey, what's your favorite restaurant? Think about whatever, what it is. When was the last time you were there? Okay, well, what if instead of actually driving there and waiting for a table, sitting down, ordering, eating, and paying, what if instead right now you just pulled out your smartphone, brought up their website and their menu, and just enjoyed looking at the beautiful pictures of their wonderful food? That's free. You didn't have to wait. You didn't have to go anywhere. It didn't cost you any gas. You didn't have a bad waiter, dirty dishes, none of that. But you're missing the best part, the experience. That's the whole point of going to a restaurant, right? 
So keep that in mind as we look at verse 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you, his godly people, for those who fear him will have all they need. Even strong young lions sometimes go hungry, but those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. So uh, if you're like me, I never visit a restaurant without looking at their website first. I need to know the type of food, the price, the reviews, is it going to be clean, affordable, and do they have the weird food that I like? So on Friday, we just we did exactly that. I found a restaurant which was within walking distance of the art museum that we were visiting, and the menu looked great. It was freezing cold and windy when we were walking there, and it turned out to be in the basement of an old post office, but none of that mattered. Once I tasted to see that the shawarma was good, all my fears were relieved. My hope turned into joy because of my experience. And that's what this psalm is encouraging us to do in our relationship with God. Turn your hopes about God and what you want him to do in your life, turn it into joy by experiencing him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Don't just look at the website. Go. Experience his goodness. Take that step of faith. Get out of your comfort zone. Engage. Give sacrificially. Share your story. Go to that prayer meeting that you're afraid of. Develop that spiritual gift that other people see in you. You won't experience the abundant life that Jesus promised by holding back and being reserved, but by being recklessly abandoned in your relationship with God. And when you do that, you'll see miracles start happening. Look at verse 11. Come, my children, and listen to me, and I will teach you to fear the Lord. Does anyone want a life that is long and prosperous? Then keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from speaking lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. Now, again, this is a worship song. This is a song like we just sang, but this sure sounds like wisdom literature, doesn't it? This is mentoring language. Uh, I have worked really hard to constantly have mentors in my life from a young age, music teachers, coaches, pastors, advisors. These are people that make me uncomfortable where I'm at, but that's okay. That's actually what I'm paying them to do. I am paying them to keep making me uncomfortable. I don't want to get comfortable and stuck where I'm at. So don't resist it. Lean into it. Uh, I want to look at one of the most classic New Testament mentoring passages. This is from a seasoned church planner to a young, scared, confused pastor. Look at 1 Timothy 4. If you explain these things to the brothers and sisters, Timothy, you will be a worthy servant of Jesus Christ, one who is nourished by the message of faith and the good teaching you have followed. Do not waste your time arguing over godless ideas or old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and the life that is to come. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. This is why we work hard and continue to struggle, for our hope is in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and particularly of all believers. Teach these things and insist that everyone learn them. Don't let anyone think of you less because you are young, but be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, 
in your love and your faith and your purity. Until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers and teaching them. Do not neglect the spiritual gift that you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. Give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself to these tasks so that everyone will see your progress. Keep close watch on how you live and, how, and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and for the salvation of those who hear you. So, you in this room and online might not be a house church pastor in the Mediterranean region in the first century, but you do have a ministry. If you don't, you either haven't discovered it yet or you're resisting it. As followers of Jesus, we are all called to ministry. Not necessarily vocational ministry. I'm not saying quit your job and go to seminary. If God's calling you to that, great, do it. But every single follower of Jesus has a place and a purpose and a function and a ministry in the kingdom of God. You have been given spiritual gifts to make disciples with. And if you aren't sure where to start, come see me or one of our pastors and we'd love to talk and pray and discover along with you. Let's look at verse 15. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. His ears are open to their cries for help. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. He will erase their memory from the earth. The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their trouble. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Oh, you know how I like patterns. Did you see one here? The eyes of the Lord watch over those who, does, who do right. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. No, wait, that's someone else. That's probably Alexa. Uh, a few months ago, we had a sound engineer here for a training for our worship team, and he recommended some really specific drum microphones. Now, I have never once done a Google search for drum microphones. Guess what my YouTube feed was filled with the day after our sound training? It was filled with reviews for drum mics from Sweetwater Music. Behold the ever-listening ears of Google. So the Lord sees you. The Lord sees you. Is that scary or is that a promise? Yes. The next one, the ears of the Lord are open to their cries for help. We talked about this earlier. In the last month, we've been able to offer really practical help to single moms with broken appliances, to hungry homeless people, and to countries and, that need churches and hospitals but don't have funds for them. Those people have cried out for help, God hears, and his people respond. Now, it is unlikely that any of those people are going to be in this room at 10.30 a.m. on a Sunday morning, but that's okay. Our ministry isn't just about those of us in this room during this one-hour time slot, but it's about how we can bless, restore, encourage, and disciple people all across our community, our state, our nation, and the world every day of the week. So thank you for being generous and being part of that. 
The last part of that pattern, the last one is face. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. He will erase their memory from the earth. Ouch. That is not a place I want to find myself. In Acts chapter 5, you can write this down if you're a note taker. Read the whole context because it's good and kind of hilarious. But God was up to something new and exciting. And of course, the religious system did not like that because they couldn't control it. And a well-respected old-timer, Paul's mentor, Gamaliel, uh, he gave some wonderful wisdom in Acts 5, verse 38. He says, So my advice is, leave these men alone. Let them go. If they're planning and doing these things merely on their own, they will soon be overthrown. But if if it is from God, we will not be able to overthrow them. You may even find yourselves fighting against God. So you don't like somebody else's brand of worship? That's fine. But why spend your efforts criticizing their music? You may just find yourself fighting against God. We saw that in the media this week. Some people were offended by a Christian Super Bowl ad or how a university revival is unfolding. Are these unbelievers being antagonistic against these movements? No, just judgmental Christians from another brand. Let's keep an eye on our own hearts and make sure that we don't become those guys. All right, let's finish up verse 19. 19. The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to rescue them each time. For the Lord protects the bones of the righteous. None of them is broken. Calamity will surely destroy the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be punished. But the Lord will redeem all those who serve him. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. So this is cosmic justice. Are you trusting the Lord to fight your battles? Or are you insisting on you being on the front lines? We stand firm in the faith and we let the Lord fight our battles for us. Invite the worship team back up. So let me ask you, have you found yourself in a rut spiritually? Maybe you uh, haven't been investing quality time in either public or private spiritual disciplines. Your well has run dry. If that's you today, don't let shame cause you to run further away. Know that there is a loving Heavenly Father that's welcoming you back with open arms. So if you're feeling stuck spiritually, you may need a kickstart, you may need a creative spark. So we're going to try a spiritual discipline today that we haven't done on a Sunday since I've been here. Uh, Music is fine when you're ready. Um, So instead of praying a prayer out loud or instead of praying silently, we're going to write it, but with limitations. On the altars, we have three different colors of papers, each that has a different character trait of God as an acrostic, like Psalm 34. So you're going to choose one, you're going to take a pen, and then you're going to go back to your seat, and as we worship, you are going to write out a prayer and an acrostic. Each line starts with a different letter uh, of that character trait. Your creativity within these guidelines, within these limitations, will actually help you focus your worship in a fresh new way. Now normally, you can use any words in any order to pray, but not today. Today, allow the Holy Spirit to push you creatively within these boundaries, and you may awaken some new life in your relationship with God.
So step out of your comfort zone, try a practice maybe you haven't done before, and allow God to call you to a deeper, more meaningful level of worship this morning. Let me invite you to stand. We'll pray together, and then we'll gather some papers here. Father, thank you for this time that you're calling us to trust you more. You're calling us to hear your voice and to respond. You've given each of us spiritual gifts and creativity, not for ourselves, but for your kingdom, to make disciples, to bless the church, to reach people beyond our own walls. You've equipped us with everything we need for the assignment that you've given us. Do not let us be selfish with the gifts you've given us. Help us today as we stretch out of our comfort zone, maybe do something that we haven't done before. Help us to grow in our level of worship, to engage a little more, to hear your voice a little clearer, and to respond a little quicker. Let us taste and see that the Lord is good. We are unwilling to just look at the menu to just look at the website of what you're doing. We want to fully experience your grace, your mercy, your love, your Holy Spirit, alive and active. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. Speak to us and through us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. You can hop over to PlymouthNazarene.com to connect with us further. Thanks.